How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked on Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm sitting between Harrison Fagan and Gary Kester. We are on Ryan Morton's bed, so F your couch, homie. This, great this is going to be... <laughs> it's weird. We're, we're in Vegas. We are here for the Las, Las Vegas uh, Summer League Games. Lonzo Ball kicked it off. Messed around, got a triple double after messing around and shooting two for sixteen. Was the two for fifteen? Yeah, two for fifteen. So that's going to be the topic of discussion uh, but today. Really, sixteen, fifteen, it doesn't matter. At that it point. felt like thirteen. It's still, yeah. it's still fake news. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where we're going to talk about that. We're going to, we'll just see where the conversation goes. It's all the three of us are here in the same room at the same time. So those of you who have issues with the audio stuff, like there's no excuse, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think the audio should be fine today. We think. We think. We think. We think. All right. It's going to be fine. I think uh, I sound okay right now. You can totally hear me. And this is, I'm just messing around. Today's, <laughs> today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets online. Uh, if you're out here in Las Vegas and you haven't gotten tickets already for the Las Vegas Summer League, SeatGeek's a great way to buy them. So go ahead and, and hop on there. You get $20 off of your first purchase by using the promo code L-O-N-B-A. Oh, L-O-N-B-A. Yes, it's L-O-N-B-A now. We have a new promo code for our listeners. L-O-N-B-A is the code to get your $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. Lanba. It's, be- it's better than L-O Lakers. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Uh, as always, find our show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. I was away at a wedding. I watched maybe three total possessions of basketball over the last couple days. I was paying attention on Twitter, and I saw people roasting Lonzo Ball for his first game, and then turning around and anointing him as like the greatest player who's ever played in his second one. Usually the reality is somewhere in between, and somewhere in the middle. Harrison, give us the reality. I mean, like anyone in Vegas, your fortunes can kind of change day to day. You can you can have one day where you're looking really bad and one day where you're looking really good. But honestly, I think he's been about as good as I expected him to be. He, The first game, I think people, it, it got like a little bit overblown because... The, I think the first game, it got a little bit overblown, his struggles, just because he was shooting really, really poorly. And... 
other than that, I didn't have that big of a problem with this game. I thought he was hitting guys really quickly ahead on outlet passes. I thought his passing overall looked pretty good, despite a couple turnovers. And I just and like he tried on defense. I'm sorry, like I didn't realize we were expecting 19 year old guards to lock people down on defense in their first summer league game. Mm-hmm. But I just. You know, I thought he's I thought he's been good. He's been about as good as I expected. I got hit with cold takes exposed or old t- is it old takes exposed? <laughs> Who cares? It's yeah, it's freezing cold takes, whatever. I got hit with that because I said like an hour before Lonzo's second game that I thought it was doubtful he would have a triple double, and then he and went then... and messed around and got a triple double. <laughs> and so you know, whatever. And I, I think I don't know that I I, did, I definitely didn't expect him to have a triple double in the second game, but I, it's not like I was expecting him to play bad either. I think I think he's been fine, and I think he's shown about as much as you can expect from a 19-year-old rookie with his particular skill set playing with a bunch of teammates he's never played before in a setting where he frankly hasn't looked like his conditioning is completely up to par yet, I don't think. he He's definitely still getting there conditioning-wise, and I think that that still probably ties back to he's like getting his game legs under him after not having played in real games since the college season ended. So I, I think the turnover thing is never going to be, is never going, like the way people think of turnovers, it's just a straight counting stat, so like the more turnovers you have, the worse your game supposedly is or whatever. For me, I kind of look at it as, given his passing ability, I would be annoyed if he didn't have any turnovers. It's the creativity tax. Yeah, like I'm, I'm fine with that. So like that was never really all that concerning to me. What did concern me a little bit, and I think this was because it was his first ever game, was I saw all over my timeline in that first game, Lonzo shoot the ball more, Lonzo be more aggressive, Lonzo take the shot, whatever. He still shot 15 times though, so like it's kind of... Weird. That Amid just, his worst shooting night of probably yeah. his career, he continued to shoot. Yeah. And so, I don't think that it's unreal. There were definitely some shots that he passed up. So I guess maybe you could say he could have shot more. But ultimately, I didn't think that shot selection was the issue. I just thought he wasn't making shots. Yeah. I mean, if you'd have told me going into the game that Lonzo Ball is going to shoot the ball 15 times, I'd be like, that's great. Because, Fine. I mean, he's not... He's not really a scorer. He's naturally unselfish, and he wants to get other guys involved. And we've seen that a little bit kind of resonate, I think, with the rest of the team. Like, we've seen the team uh, on a number of occasions just make the extra pass and be really unselfish. And at times, they've actually looked really good, even though they've lost both games. They've both been very close games. Um, And the way they started that Celtics uh, game... They were just, I mean, they 18 were great. 18-2 run, never forget. <laughs> they were, I mean, they were Is great. that going to be the high point of the Lakers season this year? It might be. It might be. <laughs> but uh, both the Celtics picks looked like busts, and the, Laker, and the Lakers were amazing, and Lonzo was unstoppable, and Zubats was killing guys, and yeah, that might be the highlight. I think, really I, think we should, I think we should also really quickly hit on Brandon Ingram, right? Yes. He's, he's yes. shut down for the rest of the summer. Mm-hmm. Did you see enough from him to make you say, all right, yeah, that's, this is... A, this is the right decision, and B, I'm excited about the direction that his game is going. First of all, thanks for reading what I write because I literally wrote a column that said that I was ha- that the Lakers should shut him down after the first summer league game because he played so well. Dude, so, I was drinking from eight a.m. to two a.m. Right, we don't we don't need to reveal that to okay. the listeners. Well, that, you know, you're they, probably they, they expect they it. Know. They, they probably know. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought Ingram was unbelievable in that first game. And it, was, it wasn't just, like, the raw scoring numbers. It was the way he was doing it. His footwork looked downright like, like a ballet dancer out there. He was, like, mm-hmm. dancing around guys. And then the other thing that was uh, almost bigger to me than that, because we always kind of knew he was going to polish the technical stuff eventually just with how hard he works. Mm-hmm. But 
the thing that was bigger to me was how he was using his body to uh, go through guys and yeah. not just around them. He on was that bouncing. game tying on that game tying shot, right? Yeah, where he like it's one thing where he he had the really nice crossover. The defender uh, came back and was able to challenge the shot, but it didn't matter at all. He just went straight through his chest, and we didn't see much of that. He was moving guys when he created the contact, because he was creating contact all last year. But he was moving guys when he created the contact instead of letting guys move him. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was, I mean, he was thoroughly impressive to the point where it was like, yeah, if he had any kind of injury whatsoever, just shut it down. Because there's nothing left for him to prove at this point. And he was phenomenal in a number of areas. Like his playmaking, that was the thing that stood out to me the most was, uh, his vision and his passing. We saw it a little bit last year, when, especially when they put him at that point. But, I mean, he was just phenomenal, just passing the ball, you know, the scoring, like you said, Harrison, the footwork, everything was just really smooth. Like, it, it was just, you know, it just looked, he looked so much more comfortable. Kind of he was like, honestly better than I expected. Yeah, like, I mean, it was kind of like what we saw with D'Angelo Russell last year in his second year in summer. Like, he just looked so much more comfortable. And we saw that with, with Ingram a little bit. And, I mean, he was efficient. He defended well. He had, you know, a few really nice defensive plays. Uh, scored the ball well. I mean, he just did everything so well that it was like, I was, you know, I was bummed I didn't get to see him play more. But at the same time, he was so good that any injury at all, you just got to shut him down. Yeah, there's nothing. There was so little to be gained. There was nothing for him to learn from playing another summer league game, and there was nothing for the Lakers to learn about him from watching him play against this competition again. Mm-hmm. He he's ready for the season, and I think he could be primed. I I want to be careful with the word breakout campaign campaign because Since I think you did that, that last year with Russell. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just because of that, but just because I think he's still gonna there. There are gonna be issues for him against NBA players. That's different than summer league. But I think his career is back on the right path, and I'm pre- like I, I'm pretty excited to watch him going forward. I think he's gonna be really good. Yeah, I, I from what the, the the clips and stuff that I saw about Ingram, not only like you guys are talking about individual skill set stuff, and then creating is a little bit more team oriented as well. But I think it also should be pointed out how much better the team looked with him on the court than when he was off of it. Like it, no in point, that, like in it, that game for sure, they looked yeah. really. They, the, the second game, they definitely had their moments where they looked really good too. Right. No, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, like in that game where they, it's one thing where you 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 can game plan and not have somebody in the lineup, you know, the way they they did in that second game. But in the first game, when he left the court, it was very obvious that he was not on the court yeah. anymore, and and that's really it's it's a it's a small it's a stupid thing, really. But a lot of times last year, it felt like he was just kind of floating around. He'd go stand in the corner, and then and then you 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 know four or five game stretches where he you know eight points, nine points, six points, and then all of a sudden, oh hey yeah that's right, Brandon Ingram's on this team. At no point in that first game did it ever feel like he didn't. You know, he took up the space he, in in a game completely hyped and centered around Lonzo Ball's debut. Brandon Ingram kind of stepped forward and was like, "Hey guys, I'm, I'm still, actually probably going to be." I'm a still player. I'm still here, and I'm still the number two pick from last year, and this is what we do in our second summer leagues. And I want to talk more about kind of the freaking out over Lonzo Ball in a second, and mm-hmm. whether or not we've really learned anything from the past. But before, just really quickly on Ingram again, like the the. 
the physicality part of it I thought was also really big just because of his sheer length. So if he can even move guys a little, his mm-hmm. shot's unblockable no. all of a sudden. Yeah. It's just done. Like, it's like it, 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 it's yeah. the same thing. Exactly. And, and then the other thing, Gary, that I wanted to ask you about as well with Ingram was just the mentality part of it, I think. It, it's intangible, but just the fact that he did go out there and take over stuff. I mean, you were sitting basically near the Lakers bench, and he could, and he was like, it was really obvious. He was up clapping. He was cheering on guys. He was direct them on and off the floor and I don't know I just thought that was almost it, it was as big as the growth in his game because he talked last year about wanting to be a leader but you couldn't see it you you would have had to hear him you wouldn't need a microphone to hear anything that he said on the court and this year he just came into summer league and uh, Judd Bushler told us after the game he was saying yeah I think Brandon came in here and said this is my team and uh, and uh, on Friday, it really was, and I think that was huge for him. You could see the confidence just resonating. You know, I mean, it, it was just so obvious. It, not only you know with his play, but yeah, like you said, like the off court stuff. He was much more vocal. You know, both I think in the game and on the on the bench, you could tell he's just really talking with guys and and you know kind of directing them and you know helping them out, especially the the rookies. And but you could just, I mean, you could tell it on the court too, especially because. There was a there were a number of possessions that the I mean really the the possession broke down and they just gave it to Ingram and got out of the way and you could just tell he just kind of had this look that you know when he caught it and just turned really surveyed the defense and he attacked and he attacked um, you know he was just very smart when he attacked you know I think there was a lot of times last year where he attacked and it was good to see it but he was so kind of out of control and he'd run into traffic and lose the ball or whatever take a dribble too much yeah and and this year like there were a couple times he like spun baseline and, and then you know attacked the middle when he needed to and, and finished um so yeah it, it was just like a better understanding of the game he was much more confident and it was it was just so obvious to see yeah and the leadership thing thomas bryant after he had a really good first game and i'm sure we'll talk about him more in a few minutes too but he specifically said that Ingram was the guy who helped him have that success because he was the one telling him when to pit, when to roll, when to pop, what to do out there on the floor and really kind of taking that and remembering probably how hard it was for him out there as a rookie to know where to go and what to do and really taking Bryant under his wing and helping him out there. And then the confidence thing was even obvious after the game in his post-game interview. It was the first time, I and I've told you guys this before, but like it was the first time I've ever seen an Ingram post-game interview end with people laughing and him cracking a joke last year they would kind of he's just so soft-spoken and they would just kind of peter out when nobody had questions left and uh, this year he and he just he ended it with a crack about eventually you know he didn't know how tall he was but eventually he wants to be kevin durant's height and (laughs) and so i just thought that that just the confidence was just oozing from him it was really obvious yeah you can tell he's just so much more confident just so so much more comfortable yeah and i mean it's yeah it, it just radiates off of him right now and i think I mean, that's a big thing for him because they're going to need him. Like, if they're going to be really competitive this year or any kind of competitive in the Western Conference because the conference has gotten so much better, it's going to hinge on him and him and Lonzo a lot, even though they have Brooke Lopez, kind of an established talent. Um, they're going to – I think they're going to go as far as Ingram goes this year, and I think – I don't – yeah, like you said, it's, it's a little too early to kind of talk about breakout, but I think – he can take a big step forward this year. And then you mentioned Lonzo and Anthony. I did want to ask you about this because you're a little bit more removed from it. And just the overall, I I wanted to get back to him because I felt like the reaction to his first game was kind of ridiculous when we've seen this the last two years. Like, did we learn nothing 
from watching D'Angelo Russell look like crap for most of his first summer league, and Brandon Ingram look terrible for most of his summer league. His first summer league, too. yeah, and in most of his rookie year, and then both of them came back their second summer league and they dominated. This yeah. is just what rookies do, in my opinion, at least. And I don't know, you were mostly watching it, you were keeping up on this stuff through Twitter, and so I was kind of curious what your thoughts were on the way that the timeline was scrolling. With just it seemed like people were freaking out, and it's like number one, it's one game, and number two, we've seen that this is how this goes. I want to touch on that because I do have an interesting point because I, I do think you're making you're heading towards a really good point, but I also think there's something to add to it. Before we get to that, though, I do want to say a few quick words about SeatGeek. They have been incredible in their support of us and in support of the entire network. Uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, we are now LONBA is the new promotion, and that's because they have doubled down on their commitment to the entire network and uh, we want to say thank you to them for that. Make sure you guys continue to support them. Again, promo code LONBA with your first purchase. You yes. get $20 back off of that, or $20 back as a rebate. Uh, a lot of people have taken advantage of that. And if you're out here in, in Vegas and you haven't used SeatGeek before, take advantage. If it's not for the basketball games, there's a ton of shows out here that you can take advantage of it as well. I said I said take advantage like four times. Yeah, and it, well, it was really easy for me. I have a friend coming out here to watch uh, to watch summer league, and I was able to really easily look up tickets on SeatGeek and buy them that way. It's just it's so much more convenient than going and doing this uh, like standing out in the hot sun and going and buying your tickets at the box office in line. Gary, you had to stand in line yesterday. You probably should have used SeatGeek. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. What it would have saved me from. From losing a lot of sweat, yes. At least, yeah, at least it wasn't 120 degrees. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's fine. It's <laughs> it was 120 degrees. You should use SeatGeek. Promo code LONBA. Get that $20 rebate, SeatGeek. You are the best. All right, so let's go ahead and get back to the conversation about Lonzo Ball because I saw you tweet about it, and then I quote tweeted you, and you said that we didn't learn, have, have people not learned anything about uh, D'Angelo Russell. One, if there's anything our country has shown us is that we don't learn from our history. Two... Uh, two, I do think I, I do think that there's a difference here. It's not quite apples to apples, but and and, and here's why: it's that with D'Angelo Russell, it was kind of you, you walk in, and it's kind of like playing blackjack. You put your you put your twenty bucks down, and you're it's completely out of your hands, right? Um, with Lonzo, it's that twenty dollar initial bet, and then you're doubling down when you have like a 12, basically, right? And, and and the reason I say that is because you're doubling down on this kid because they traded away D'Angelo Russell, in part, by their explanation, to give him more reps in the backcourt, right? Well, sure, but does that mean that you should expect more from no, him? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that that's the difference between D'Angelo Russell's first game and how people freaked out about that and this one. Is that look, also they passed up on clear NBA superstar Julia Okafor? <laughs> Can't miss future Tim Duncan. Yeah, so like, I, I think the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, Lonzo Ball is the kind of like if Lonzo Ball is the type of talent that you're fine with getting rid of a, a backcourt mate because you want to clear up more minutes and more space for him back there, then cool. And because of that, because of that thinking, I can't quite blame some people. For saying, well, wait a sec. If this guy is not that kind of talent, where where the Lakers made a mistake and traded away D'Angelo Russell in wanting to get more room for this guy, that's a little concerning, right? But all that said, 
<laughs> it's one game. It's one game in glorified pickup where these guys have been playing together for, what, a few weeks? And a There's big... no way that he's, especially with, the, you said, you, you, you pointed out his skill set, right? His skill set, he needs teammates to be on the same page with him. His shot is weird, right? And so, and, and getting his shot off is going to be quirky. And you can bet your ass that the guy who was defending him on the Clippers, who I don't even know, well, Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall was, he's trying, he's going out there trying to make a name for himself again to try to get back into the NBA. He's a smarter guy. And he's he played almost, 10 feet off of Lonzo and embarrassed him. It's almost, he's almost an NBA veteran. Right, especially comparatively he is, speaking, he literally is an NBA veteran. Right, and but that, but what I'm saying though is that, that this guy, this you have this 19 year old kid who's never played in the NBA before, and I say almost with Kendall Marshall because like he had one, he's played one year where he actually got rotational minutes. He's not quite the typical NBA veteran, but still, he's somebody who has played in the NBA, had success in the NBA, and you're expecting a 19 year old kid to go out there and play against him. Look, man, we all know old man strength is a real thing. Kendall Marshall showed off a lot of old man strength last night, or in that first game. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I just thought the whole reaction, I know how hyped Lonzo is. I know how much we hyped him. And I just, uh, but I don't think that you should be expecting giant things. I think this can almost serve as a lesson that going into the NBA season, we should not expect Lonzo Ball to get a triple-double every single night and dominate these games and things as a rookie. And if that ends up on freezing cold takes two, I'm okay with that because that's my honest opinion. And if he does that, then that's wonderful. And it means the Lakers have a franchise player, and that's exactly who they should have selected. But if he doesn't do that, it also doesn't mean that they don't have a franchise player. It's almost like you shouldn't give up on players before they turn 22. Yeah, something like that. But Gary, I, I I also thought that we should we should talk about what you felt like the biggest difference was between the two games. Like, what I mean, what did what did you think he did? He change anything in your opinion that you were looking at, like technically? No, I mean he shot the ball better, a little bit better. You know, um, I just think the way the game was played, like I felt like the Clippers and Lakers game. You know, there were moments where they pushed tempo and stuff, but. The Lakers, and, and I think the, the big thing for Lonzo was he rebounded much better, which allows him to, to really push the tempo and, and control the pace of the game. And, I mean, how many, how many point guards go and snag 11 rebounds in a game? Like, I mean, that, that, was, that was big for him because... Russell Westbrook just won an MVP for doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's big when you have a guard that's trying to, you know, you're trying to speed up the game, push tempo, have guys fill lanes and, and, and run out. And, you know, when he goes and rebounds... You don't have to get, you know, like if Thomas Bryant, for example, grabs a rebound, he's looking around looking for Lonzo to try and get rid of That takes time. Yep. Like, and when Lonzo gets it, he can just turn and go. And he's so good at pushing the ball up, you know, he doesn't, you know, feel the need to just dribble up the court and then try and survey as he's going. He's just good at just getting the ball out. And sometimes that gets him into a little bit of trouble. We saw that, I think, a couple times in the Clipper game. But um, that was the big thing for me was that he rebounded and then that created up created so many opportunities for them in transition, which helped his assist numbers um, go up. Because I think he had five assists in the first game, and then 11, obviously, against the Celtics. And that was that was the big difference for me, is that he just did a better job of controlling kind of the offense. I also think that a difference for him might have been Ingram being out, and mm -hmm. so the ball was in his hands more. Maybe there's a little bit of a confidence boost there. I'm not 
This isn't Harrison's hot takes. I'm not saying he's better without Brandon Ingram and they're never going to be able to play together or anything like that. But right now... Please don't say that because then the Lakers will trade Ingram way too early. they got to get rid of Dang for cap space. (laughs) Uh, But no, I I think that a big thing was uh, obviously the higher usage and then also who he was playing with. David Nwaba is not a floor spacer by any means. Ingram is definitely a better shooter than David Nwaba and probably will be for the foreseeable future. But... David Nwaba doesn't ever get the ball in his hands, and he was cutting to the basket all the time, and Lonzo was just finding him. And David Nwaba's signature move now is basically that baseline cut and then dunking on someone. <laughs> and Lonzo can find him. Like, uh, David uh, Nwaba has an, a really, really good sense of timing on when they hit those cuts, and there's very few players coming into the league with as good of an IQ and as good of court vision as Lonzo on hitting those guys and timing on those passes and being aware of when a guy should cut and when they're going to cut and then hitting them in strides so that they can finish. And so I think that probably helped him to some degree too. And then I think another thing too was Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma played really well. Yes. Like, and he, he helped space the floor a lot because he shot the ball extremely well. And he was, was trending. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma was unbelievable last night. Five of ten from three, thirty-one points. That's like that's <laughs> yeah, crazy. And that was the diff- that was another difference in the first game was that Kuzma did a lot of good things, and you could definitely see why the Lakers were really high on him in the first game. But he didn't really shoot the ball that well. In the second game, he shot extremely well, which create just creates more space when you can have your you know your four or even your small ball five step out at the three point line. That just opens up everything. So with, with Kuzma shooting the ball well, and then you know having. Uh, certain guys, you know, out there to help space the floor, or Nuaba out on the break. Just kind of all that things, all, all those things really factored in, and I think that really helps kind of yeah. make the game a little easier. Yeah, Kuzma saw Ingram sit, sit down and was like, this is my team now. I'm just gonna, <laughs> my time to shine, there's baby. A lot, there's a, I can take a <laughs> lot of shots now. And, and Do you think he was like, Kuz, my time? Oh, God. No. And the podcast. All right, guys. <laughs> no, he, been nice. no. no, Kuzma was really good. And one thing that I thought was interesting was Mike Trudell in the in the scrum afterwards. Uh, Kuzma during his introductory interview said that he liked the NBA three better, and nobody really asked him why. And Mike Trudell asked him last night, why why do you like the NBA three better? Because it seems relevant when he hits five of his ten threes. Mm -hmm. And he said that it was because he gets his legs into it a little bit more. And he has to Randall's shot looks better from three than from mid range. Yeah, it's because he says that for him the college three is almost like a free throw and you don't have to get your legs involved as much. And so I guess the further distance for whatever reason so far seems to be helping him. And if he's I'm not gonna say he's gonna score thirty points every night at all. But if you hear that physical like, takes, if he, I got to stop coming up with opinions. But if if Kuzma can shoot like at all, like if he can be a league average shooter, he I think I am really impressed with what I've seen from him already. He was really good switching on the wings last night. I, I I'm a I'm on Team Kuzma. I'm I'm buying up property on Kuzma Island really early. Kuzma Island. Why? Why are you like this? <laughs> Anyways, but no, but with Kuzma, it's it's really interesting because I think he kind of had that that sort of feel with a lot of Laker fans that we had with the Nance pick because we kind of all had this idea that the Lakers need this, this, and this, right? And with Kuzma, like we were like Julius Randle and Larry Nance Jr. are already on the roster, and Larry, uh, Luol Deng plays the minutes at the four, so we're like, where's he going to get minutes? But, you know, at the same time, that was kind of what we thought with Larry Nance Jr. He turned out to be, you know, a really solid player. And, like, now he's showing why. Like, he's, you know, he's really mobile. He did, like you said, Harrison, he did a great job defensively. With Jason Tatum, I he was forced actually... The, he forced the shot clock violation at one point. Yeah, I mean, he, 
like with Jason Tatum as kind of like an ISO scorer, and he's a big ISO scorer. Like, I was actually pretty impressed with just kind of how he uses his size and things. But he defended Tatum, I think, as best you can ask for a, for a rookie. You know, because Tatum is that's why he's a he was lottery pick, and he's yeah, yeah one of that's the better why he, scorers in the country last year. Yeah, that's why he was picked so high. Yeah. Um, well, and Danny Ainge, but um, <laughs> but no, I think he defended extremely well, and I think he's a pretty versatile defender that he can guard a couple positions and. Um, because he's big, he's you know, he just uses his size really well, and I was impressed with him defensively. But yeah, if he can hit shots, there's there's definitely some playing time there for him. Anthony, I know you didn't watch Kuzma's game yesterday, but just judging by the statistical output, do you feel like Larry Nance Jr. made a mistake by not playing in summer league? <laughs> we aren't recording this on a gondola, right? Okay, now, we'll so. save that for the gondola yeah. episode. We can just rehash our idea from last year where <laughs> Julius Randle, in your mind, made a mistake by not playing in summer league in his stand third year. Stand by it. I stand by it. I'm not. I'm, I will die on this island. You can buy a property on Kuzma Island. I'm going to die on this island that is the Julius Randle. The Julius Randle made a mistake by not playing in uh, 2016. <laughs> really? Somebody send, send that to Freezing Cold Takes. Yeah, <laughs> really. We need to like send them that whole video. Yeah, so you, guys can laugh. You, you guys can they all can laugh at me all you want when Julius Randle winds up traded midseason. Well, right, he's, probably, wanna... he's probably going to be gotten rid of because they got to get rid of everybody for 2018 cap space. <laughs> yeah. All right, I wanted to really quickly. So the technical aspects of... Lonzo's game. I think it's a, you know, that's all very interesting stuff, but I think the larger overriding point here with Lonzo here is it's pretty impressive that a 19-year-old kid can essentially sell out <laughs> an arena. Uh he de- he he literally sold out the arena for the second game. Mm-hmm. And then and then but I I think it's I find it interesting or I find it noteworthy that he can struggle the way he did in that first game. He can see the negative tweets. He can he, listen to the whispers. He can listen to the murmurs, and then come out and show out. Was it the very next night? Yep. Was it the very next night? Come out and show out. Drop a triple double in front of a sold out arena. I, I think. Look, we all. I especially make fun of the cliche. Uh, knows what it means to be a Laker, right? Or knows what it takes to be a Laker. But I think for. Lonzo Ball, I think it's especially noteworthy that somebody who's going to have the magnifying lens that's going to be on him throughout the year to be able to showcase that thick skin and come out and be productive in that second game is a really good sign for what the Lakers need from somebody who wants to be, who has openly positioned himself as the face of the franchise moving forward. You know who agrees with you? Oh no. LeVar Ball. He, after the first game, he told us that Lonzo had already changed the culture of the Lakers and that fans <laughs> were out here that could have been doing anything on a Friday night in Vegas or in Los Angeles or whatever, but they came out to watch that ball boy. And, uh, you know, even though, and LeVar was very impressed with Lonzo continuing to shoot. LeVar's really impressed with LeVar. But, like, yeah. but I think, I think that, that larger point, though, because, look, Russell... I'm not going to say to his detriment, like I'm not going to knock him for this, but for whatever reason, he never quite garnered the support of the Lakers fan base as a whole. There are people like me who, I will, I'm, I'm essentially a stan on the internet at this point, but, but by and large, there are a lot of people who lined up to crap on D'Angelo Russell at any opportunity they possibly could. And I don't think it ever wore him down, but I don't think he ever bounced back the way 
Lonzo did or snap back the way Lonzo did with his productivity in that second game. I think it's really impressive that a 19-year-old kid would pull that off. Except for when he scored 41 points versus the Nets right after the whole league scandal. <laughs> well, it's the right? Nets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. Yeah. He was auditioning for them. <laughs> yeah, they were so sick of him dropping. They're like, wait, we only have to take on Mozgov's contract? This guy's a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was oh. it was extremely impressive. And the thing I was really looking for in that first game, because he was missing shot after shot, and they're good looks. Most of them were good looks. I was just kind of seeing kind of his body language. You know, is he visibly frustrated? And throughout the whole game, he really didn't seem... I mean, you can see a little bit in his eyes that, you know, he's just mad. He's I would hope eventually. You go two for 15, you show a little first. Yeah, like, you can see in his eyes that, like, you know, he's upset he's missing shots. Yeah, like, I thought when he flipped off the rim, that was a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he didn't do that. When he stabbed the basketball, like, that was... <laughs> but, no, he never seemed to be rattled by it. Like, it didn't really affect his play. He was still, you know, kind of his usual self. He was getting teammates involved, trying, making the right reads and stuff. And then, yeah, the next night he comes out, doesn't shoot very well again, you know, unfortunately. But shot's going to take a while. Yeah, that's I mean good. that's how that works out. Yeah, but I mean he just he, unless you're Carl or you're Kuzma. Yeah, Kuzma's just yeah, <laughs> a natural NBA ready, but future superstar should have been shooting. <laughs> like, all right, I really quickly, I missed this opportunity for the joke, but that's one of the greatest humble brags of all time. Yeah, that the college three pointer is too close. <laughs> It's incredible. Kyle Kuzma, why do you not shoot threes? Because there are no fours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically. But go ahead. Sorry. But no, I mean, to have, like, I don't I don't remember really, like, a rookie having a worse shooting game in a summer league game. Like, two for 15 is awful. That is absolutely terrible. And then to bounce back the very next day, like you said, and just, I mean, really, he controlled the game. Like, he controlled the Lakers' offense you know, I mean, a triple-double at that age, even though it's summer league and it's, you know, it's glorified. And the triple-double is kind game. of overrated. I want to know how many triple-doubles there have been in summer league. It yeah. can't be that many. Yeah, I mean, well, and you could tell. I mean, there was, you know, you said, you mentioned how there was, like, a big drop-off in the first game when Ingram went to the bench. That was the same thing with Lonzo in the second They game. fell off a cliff. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. they couldn't do anything offensively when he went out of the game. So, um, that was, I mean... Yeah, just the way he bounced back, it was so impressive because he didn't seem to lose his composure at all from that first game, and he just seemed to, to stay locked in, and you know he, he played extremely well in the second game. This is going to be your opportunity, Harrison, to shit on an intangible piece of analysis on my part. This is kind of your thing. Let's hear it. Well, no, no, no. no. Do you, do you, all right, so <clears throat> I think that with Lonzo Ball, uh, his ability to to kind of grasp the moment, you know, understand he has to show up, right? If he has two straight games the way he had that first game, Lakers Twitter is in shambles. The NBA, like Josh Everly is out there, like clapping his act, <laughs> like standing ovation for every missed three-pointer. I, I, think, I think it's a really good sign that that Lonzo understood that and, and you there know, were, let his game speak for him when, look, people are going to get sick of hearing from LeVar really quickly if Lonzo's ball doesn't speak at all. Lonzo ball doesn't speak at all. 
Lonzo's game doesn't speak. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was nice. I like it. My bad. I didn't catch that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like Deadspin literally ran an article that was, uh, it said it was something like Lonzo Ball's horrific shooting had Magic Johnson literally shaking his head. Yeah. And and then, you know, like obviously didn't follow up when Lonzo played pretty good the next game. Yeah. uh, Why did you do that? Yeah. I mean, all the as a, as an aside, Magic watching those games was one of my favorite things of the whole summer. I just wish he had the popcorn. You know, he watches the whole thing like a person who's like trying to take like a pensive photo for their Instagram, like with his <laughs> hand on his chin, and like it's just like Magic is just like in full analysis mode during these games. Like he's like, hmm, yes, yes, I like what I'm seeing. No, he looks like he looks like that kid who didn't study at all for a class and. <laughs> He's like standing there. I swear I'm paying attention. I swear to God, I am. I am. I am actively taking part in this discussion. Yes, very good point, Lonzo. Just nods his head indubitably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but that that was uh, that's been one of my favorite things of summer. Like we should talk about, I think, the rest of the team a little bit. And Gary, what what did you think, Josh Hart? He sprained his ankle now, so I would... There's no news on this as of when we're oh, yeah. recording this, but I would imagine in Summer League he's probably done because with the sprained ankle, why would you send him back out there during Summer League? No need. So, but Gary, what did you see from Hart? Did, did you feel like you saw what you expected from him? Was he about what you were looking for? Yeah, I mean, he was about what I expected. You know, he I mean, he defends a little bit. You know, there's some, you know, some things that obviously he's got to work on. Every rookie you can say that with. But, but yeah, I mean, he shot the ball you know, pretty well, I think, at times, and, and defended pretty well, and, and that's why they picked him, where he, you know, that's why he's a first-round pick, because he's a guy that's going to bring some defensive intensity, which the Lakers badly need. Um, I thought he, I thought he showed a lot of heart. Oh, God. See, that's worse than anything I've said. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think I rolled my eyes the hardest at that one. Yeah. See that? You well, made you know the what? worst joke on the podcast. You know what? A podcast in which I say Kuzmiland. I I hearted it. <laughs> really doubled down. All right, I wanted to. I do. I all right. So this is going to be the last point because we're going on forty minutes. No, here. it's not because we still have at least one more guy to talk about. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to talk about Zubats. Like I wanted to. Oh well, oh, then there's two more guys. I wanted to really quickly. Uh, there are a lot of people because look, Zubats has become something of like a cult. Following, yes. right? Like you yeah, are, I will, I will not hear you speak ill of our. Lord you are, <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I, I wanted to say, and we said this downstairs earlier, but I, I wanted to say that there are few games that are less tailor made for Ivica Zubats's game than summer league basketball, right? Where it's up and down, the sets aren't really there. Nobody's really looking to dump the ball into the post. Like it's just, it's just kind of, it's not. The guys in general are, everybody is looking to attack at all times because points scored is a great way to get people to, you know, notice you and scouts to notice you. That was Vander Blue's whole idea in the first game. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with, with Zubots, though, you know, he struggled. And I think it's a great opportunity to, again, point out how huge a role expectations play in analysis, right? Where... Last year it was, oh hey, look at this kid. You know, it's kind of like that D League guy that Lakers Twitter falls in love with every single year. It's like the fifteenth man that everybody says, well yeah, we should you know look into extending. No, I, I think with Zubas is the first time he's dealt with actual expectations. He didn't live up to them. Do you think 
he can kind of redeem himself as the year goes on, or do you carry the way? I think he's fine. I think all the caveats that you mentioned. You would. He, he did legitimately play worse this year than he did last year so far for them, other than the first half of the second game. He just hasn't played all that well, and he hasn't looked that adept running up and down the floor, like even like he did last year. And But, yeah, I mean, all the caveats that you said. Summer League is not the atmosphere for him, really. It's just like guys aren't looking for him in the post. I think he's going to be fine. I just don't think that this is, I guess, where he's going to uh, go out and get his counting numbers. Although, again, he did look really good in the first half of the second game. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Last year he died. In the summer league, <laughs> came back, but he came back to life. <laughs> like he hasn't, he hasn't been dunked on so hard that he was. Just he did, he has been better about not fouling this year in summer league for right. sure. And that there have been a couple times where there have been guys going to the basket where he's visibly either straightened up to just affect the shot rather than going for the block, or like times on the break where last year he would have tried to do the chase down block and just given the guy an easy and one. And uh, this year, like where he pulls back and he's like, okay, like I just, uh, right. I'm not getting that one. I think offensively, yeah, he's, you know, underperformed compared to a year ago. But, yeah, I mean, we didn't expect anything from him last year. He was a second-round pick, you know, that was 19 years old, an international That we prospect. literally never heard of. Yeah, we, we didn't know anything about we him. We were Googling him on draft night. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and he came out, and he's a pleasant surprise. And, I mean, it got to a point, I think, this season that he was, or last season as a rookie, that he was so surprisingly good that people almost labeled him, like, untouchable. That was me. In, 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 oh, in, I was, I was right there. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I was still. Yeah, I had like multiple people in my mention saying he was their second-rated prospect ahead of Russell. Right, and that's because people hate Russell. Yeah, yeah and I, I will give. Apparently, he was a little higher on the Lakers on touchable list than Russell. <laughs> I will give Zubats uh, credit. He's going to block you on Twitter for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought his defense was a little bit better for the most part than than last year. I was watching him, you know, specifically on a few possessions, especially in, in pick and rolls and stuff. And um, I thought, you know, he was just in better positioning. He helped better. And there was a, there was one play that was really irritating because I thought he went straight up and his, you know, really his verticality was there. And he contested the shot really well. And I didn't think it was a foul at all. And he got called for it. But I think, you know, in an NBA game, that's probably a call that gets, you know, that's, that's not made. But I think defensively he's been better for the most part. But offensively, I just think with the style of play that they're playing a little more this year and, and pushing the tempo a little more, it just doesn't fit his game, and, and it's summer league. You know, it's so unstructured, and, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it's just up and down and just kind of just playing basketball. Who was the other guy you wanted to talk about? I'm talk. actually the, the, the new best Bryant in Lakers <laughs> history, Thomas. All right, go, let's, let's, let's hear you talk about Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> No, man. Thomas better. He's like he's a, <laughs> No, but his 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 second game was not great. It, it, he closed out the rest of the game of uh, like the fourth quarter and whatever, but he was mostly he he had like a couple easy looks early in the game that he missed and just couldn't get it going after that. But the first game he looked really good and for a guy his size to move the way that he did in transition and get so many baskets as a rim runner and get out ahead of plays and be active on the offensive glass when that's not really at least from my perspective, that's not what I was expecting from him heading into summer league. People were talking about him as this theoretical stretch big. He's going to go out and uh, like hit threes and things like that. And the one three that he has taken and made looked really natural. He set a screen, stepped back, smoothly nailed and knocked it down. Wow. Like I, I'm very impressed with what I've seen from him. And granted, it's one summer league game. We can't. It would be hypocritical to say 
too. So, yeah. but still, it would be hypocritical to say let's not overreact to Lonzo Ball's summer league performance, and then but no, Thomas Bryant is the Lakers' backup center of the future. Mm-hmm. But I like what I've seen from him so far. I think he's definitely going to get some seasoning in the G League this year, which is still weird to say. But I I, I don't know what what did you think, Gary? You, I, all Anthony, I know you is didn't, no 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 Anthony, I, you didn't I, watch. I, Gary, I want him to wear number eight. Can we get can we get him to wear number eight, please? That's, there were people. No, they, we can't get him to wear number eight because there were people not only that didn't want him to wear number twenty four. Obviously, there were people that wanted to retire the last name Brian. <laughs> yeah, I saw that like before. I saw I saw Laker film room. Uh, Coach Pete, he was uh, quote tweeting people that were saying like, why can't it just say T Bryant? And it's like, well, because there's no other Bryant on the team right now. That's why. We can't retire a whole name, guys. Come Never on. change like, Lakers Twitter. I, I mean, I love it. I, I love Lakers. Th- yeah. This weekend has given me a newfound appreciation for Lakers fans. That bill, the Thomas and Mack Center, the last two nights has been lit. Yeah, like people I, are chanting defense in the first quarter of summer league games. It's I, amazing. I think after the first game, fans were saying, "When we retire Kobe jersey, we need to put K Bryant." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Thomas was like he was. Part, Thomas was part of the crowd. They were getting as into him in the first game. They were getting as into him as Lonzo and Ingram for the most part by the end of it, and he was he was loving it. He was like he was cupping his ear, like he was getting people to like pump up more. Yeah, he has and, a lot of. Yeah, he he's gonna be a fan favorite for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, easily. Gosh. He plays with a lot of emotion, a lot of heart. And honestly, his reactions when fouls are called on him are, are priceless. Yeah, him and Zubats, man, they got like the all reaction team down. Like Zubats, in his mind, has never committed a single foul. Yeah, no, I mean he was super impressive in the first game. Honestly, I think he was the Lakers' second best player behind Ingram. Yeah, in the first as, as game, a, I, I'd say so as a whole. And then, I mean, the second game we kind of saw like this kid's still really young and he's still really raw. I think there were there raw were, is the word. Yeah, there raw were, is the word. There were there were a couple. Uh, I mean, a couple of plays that you know. He's he's rolling to the cut into the basket and they try to hit him over the pass and his hands aren't ready. It goes yeah. through his hands and you know he loses the ball. Like well, from what I've heard, he doesn't have that great. He never had that great hands in college yeah. either. Yeah, but there were just times it just seemed like the speed of the game was a little too much for him and he just wasn't quite ready for certain things and and that's gonna happen. That's why you know he's gonna get like you said he's gonna get time in the G League and that's what they need to do. That's what they did with Zubats and I think that worked wonders for him to to actually play. And get reps instead of just. And it's a on place where he can come in and like shoot threes and experiment right. and do the same things that they experimented with Zubots with that they that they really couldn't do in the Laker on the Lakers parent team, the in which we have to say now because both teams are named the Lakers, yeah. but they couldn't really do that with Zubots because it would be an unfair it would be unfair to redistribute those shots to that point that that early in the season when other guys were playing well and things like that, and they'll have to do the same thing with Bryant where they send him down there and they let him jack up threes uh, like as a spot-up shooter and they let him kind of get more run and experience and conditioning and all that stuff but he he looked I'm, I really liked what I saw from him this weekend yeah the first game was super super busy. I really didn't expect that at all like, no. I had pretty low expectations I mean, he's, a, he's a mid-second round pick yeah and you know I mean I think the first two games are a, a great encapsulation of what you know to expect I think his first couple of years he's gonna have moments where it's like wow this kid looks really good but then there's going to be moments that he's still, even though he played two years of college, he's still really young. He's still 19. Yeah, he's. I mean, that that was the crazy thing was like he actually got two full college seasons in, and he's not even 20. Yeah, Ingram's still 19. Everybody's 19 on the Lakers. So it's a team of 19 year olds. <laughs> well, they better they better show that they're Hall of Famers by the time they turn 22, or else you're using a salary dump. Well, I'm. I, hey, I don't want to make any threats, but I'm just saying, guys, like one of you has to be traded to move Lou all day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, I'm just I'm sorry. That, that would be at great. Least like one. you know that scene from Batman. What, what, what was it? The Dark Knight. One of those of that trilogy where the Joker hand like breaks a pole cue. Exactly. And he's gonna. Like, <laughs> That's what the Lakers are gonna do with <laughs> yeah. Bryant and Zubac. Look, guys, Dang has to go. You guys got to kill each other for. There can only be one fan favorite center, <laughs> and we're having tryouts. <laughs> All right, so uh, that does it though. This we're recording this at six o'clock, basically, uh, out here in Vegas time. If anything breaks between now and the time we actually air this, sorry, uh, we will try to jump on that. And and we're seeing as we're all out here anyway. We'll jump on a Facebook Live or something and, and give you our analysis. If After anything. you already listened to all of this, obviously. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And you can find this on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek, use that promo code L-O-N-B-A uh, to get $20 back off of your first purchase. I'm Anthony Irwin. This has been Harrison Fagan, and thank you, Gary Kester, for joining us. In at, this at Gary Kester on Twitter. Thank you for, uh, for, I just wanted to make sure that people knew where to follow you and uh, join Gary Nation. Oh, God. <laughs> we have Harry Nation and Gary Nation. Don't, yeah, don't don't look into Harry Nation. Just don't. <laughs> yeah, don't. That's not happening. Make, sure, <laughs> make sure you spell that correctly. All right, everybody. Have a good, have a good uh, couple days here. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Support for this podcast comes from Dice.com, the career hub for tech. With their new salary predictor, Dice makes it easier for you to understand how much your skills are worth. They'll even show you which skills are most likely to increase your pay. And with over 70,000 tech jobs, you'll be able to put those skills to good use when you find your next role. Dice is always free for job seekers, so visit Dice.com slash can you hack it to see how you can start hacking your career today.